Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I, think, I feel like it's another ass comment, but... Jason Jason just called you on your bluff, and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Aldwin. And the AO is over. It's a wrap, folks. A over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in, in some ways, it's like, thank God. Yeah? you Did you feel like you were on a roller coaster ride like Djokovic had mentioned in one of his press conferences? I felt like it was the tournament that started eight months ago (laughs) and it was never going to end and then you know midway through it started getting really good and then the latter matches uh the latter half of the tournament when you want them to get better and better they just didn't yeah i kind of noticed that too the matches fell really flat in the second week yeah i mean the crescendo i think of the entire tournament was the fourth round Exactly. And we're going to talk all about that. But we <laughs> wanted to talk first, I guess, about the two winners, which who should we talk about first? Mm, OK, let's do Joko. Okay. Let's talk about Joko first. Yeah. So he. For many people, um, we all know that there's a love and a hate Mostly, <laughs> I think for for many of the people who perhaps listen to this show, it's mostly hate, <laughs> at least <laughs> from the comments we get when we share, you know, about his dominance and stuff. But the guy uh, is undeniably the best on that court, the best ever. He is the winningest, isn't he? Nine Australian Open singles titles, the most of any player ever. Nine and ho. At nine and ho. What are you yeah. talking about? Nine and oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> he has won uh, all nine of his finals. I can't see. That's a stat that I didn't know. Oh. Like he won all. He's won all of his finals. But do you know if he's lost at the Australian Open? Where he's, has he lost early? He's lost earlier. Yeah, but he's never lost once he's got to the semifinals. I believe he's he's won. He's kind of like Naomi and her run, who we're going to talk about. But mm-hmm. yeah, anytime he's made the semifinals, he's he's undefeated. You know, like growing up watching tennis, watching, for example, Steffi get to what is it, seven Wimbledon titles, Chrissy, Chris Everett winning eight or nine French Opens. Right, something like that. Martina winning nine. I didn't think in my lifetime I would see another player reach that many singles slam titles at one slam ever again. But I mean, nine is ridiculous considering that the caliber of play of players these days. I mean, whether you like Joko or not, you have to give props to the fact that he is the king of Australia. Yeah, and he is, he just locks it down. When you think, <laughs> no it, pun intended. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Part of the tournament was on lockdown, um, and it's funny the third round match where he injured his abdominal area. 
<laughs> and you know to some feigned an injury so that he could play two more sets and then put put us through the drama of a, a potential fritz win uh, and then go on to win the tournament. <laughs> okay, so you know how we were talking about our favorites a couple weeks ago in our Australian Open preview show. We kind of glazed over Joko. I mean, he's the number. He is the number one seed. But we had other people on our radar. We talked about Rublev. Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about Medvedev, your boy, right? Yeah. Um, but he was kind of a silent mover through the draw there were so many other stories coming out of the men's side that i mean no one was talking about joko i think that played to his advantage because you know as you mentioned earlier he gets so much negative press and listen he didn't get away with it especially with that abdominal situation against fritz but he kind of seamlessly moved through the draw and people kind of re- at least i'm going to speak for myself anyway you know when he was in that semi against karatsev i had to be like djokovic is in the semifinals like how did he get <laughs> how did he get there <laughs> yeah i mean there was obviously a lot of talk after his on court <clears throat> interview in the third round where he's like it's it's definitely an abdominal tear so you know people read into that uh he got x-rayed he didn't practice at all i think the next day um and then had a brief practice the day before his match with Raonic. um Raonic was a bit ho-hum as we know um <laughs> in the fourth round and then i think he just got better uh and better throughout throughout the tournament I don't know. I mean, this is just coming up now for me, but I don't know whether you notice any time there's any talk about a particular matchup against Joko. I'm thinking about Raonic, for example. People, I find, say more often, oh, this is the that player's opportunity to really break through. Like we yeah. talk about, right? We talk about Raonic being like, okay, this is his chance to like get through, beat Joko, go deep into a major again. No one ever really talks about Joko being like coming out the winner. They just kind of want they want the other player to be the winner, which I think is so shady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Raonic was zero and eleven going into that match, and everyone sort of was talking about hit it being his best perhaps opportunity <laughs> to to beat him. But you know, Raonic doesn't really bring the intensity or the energy that Novak does. So I don't think he can ever really do that. Like, I don't think he can ever really win a match against Joko unless he starts to. You know what what kind of roundage we need? The one that you posted in in our in our in our IG. Yeah, I mean that te- I believe it was Tennis TV. I don't know which other IG account it was, but um it showed Raonic at a tournament probably the Rogers Cup. Again, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I just know that he was fist pumping, fist bumping to um like a, you know, a high energy song wearing glasses and a tank top like on a stage. I'm like, where is this Milosh? <laughs> this is the Milosh that we need to party with post-COVID when we don't have to follow any social distancing measures. We could turn it up at the club. And he needs to bring a little bit more of that on the court because, like you said, he was so he was as flat as you know my Perrier left out on the counter after twenty four hours. <laughs> I thought you were gonna have a better flat reference. Than 
as flat as my four-handed forehand. (laughs) (laughs) Bringing it back to tennis and not not anything crude. Um, Yeah, Joko just, you know, I think people, once he had that match with Zverev, it was like, okay, um, Mm. you know, this guy is obviously the uh, the one to beat besides... Uh, Medvedev and uh, yeah he took out Karatsev and then you know we were all sort of looking forward to me at 4.20am this morning the Medvedev (laughs) match him holding up uh, his first Grand Slam trophy but it was not to be it was not to be. I um just to share some personal info. I moved into a new place, and so I have zero furniture. <laughs> and uh, I kind of woke up at. So I hadn't planned to watch the final, but I woke up at maybe five o'clock in the morning. I had to take Bruno, my dog, out to to take a pee. But I looked on IG really quickly, and I saw that you were posting like this. Bitch woke up at four twenty to watch this match. He is, <laughs> he is into it. And then I saw. I kind of looked at the Australian Open website to see what the update was. And it was, I don't know, something like Medvedev was down 5-7, one something. It just, I was like, this is not even going to be a match. I'm going to go back to sleep. <laughs> it was a match in the first set. Like, it was it was tight. Actually, Djokovic went up 3-love, and then um, Medvedev broke right back. It was 5-4, got to 5-all, but... Um, Djokovic took it 7-5 and then you know Djokovic turned it on was just moving moving Medvedev around and he was making too many errors so okay that that's the question I was going to ask what was it that Medvedev was not doing right it was just not putting the ball into the court he wasn't putting the ball into the court Djokovic was moving him forward a bit I think he Mm. got him a little bit off balance moving forward he's not the best volleyer and then you know uh, Medvedev got Negvedev (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, say that again. I didn't yeah, quite catch that. He got very negative. Oh, in... you mean negative? Yes. Like their yeah. COVID test results. Yeah. And, you know, Novak stayed very Pozovich in the match. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Ladies no. and gentlemen, he's here all week. <laughs> I am here all freaking week. But yeah, he, he was, you know, pounding his racket. He smashed a racket, I think, towards the end of the second set. Daniels? Yeah, Daniil smashed his racket. I mean, he's smashed rackets before. Um, looking looking up at his box a little bit je- dejected. So, um, I thought he was gonna, you know, make a make a, a turnaround in the way that he did against Nadal in 2019 U.S. Open, but it was not it was not to be. It was not to be. I actually watched both press conferences, post match press conferences, and um, I have to say, I mean. I think that Medvedev Danils, as I like to call him, is a pretty upstanding guy. I mean, the vast majority of the questions that were uh, headed his way were of the nature. um, Danils, you know, tough luck today on your finals loss, but can you give us 25 reasons why Novak Djokovic (laughs) is the best player of all time? Mm -hmm. And he was just so courteous and took the questions with such grace i mean if it were me i'd be like bitch i just need my second slam final let's talk about me for a second but i mean you can tell he he admitted even in his press conference that the top three the big three are on on a whole nother level (laughs) (laughs) yeah and yeah and i mean what could he do he one thing that he said which i thought was interesting was he felt what no, what Novak did to him in the final was what he did to 
um, his semifinal opponent and his quarterfinal opponent, which was, you know, a tight first set, got up a break, clinched it, and then the next two sets were just cruise control mm-hmm. for him. Yeah, I was surprised at the beatdown that he gave Rublev, to be honest. I thought it was going to be a bit more competitive. Rublev got obviously very... He just looked wiped. He, there were some of their some of the rallies where I think like 30, 35 balls, and he in between them he would actually go sit by the towel <laughs> box because he was so um, so wiped out. And then I completely completely forgot about the little rift between Sitsi and Medvedev that started in Miami where he was like talking smack. And remember, Sitsi said Medvedev's play is boring. I don't remember. Refresh yeah. my memory. So yeah, there's a, so, there's I mean, a bit of a rift there. Yeah, there's a bit of a rift there. They've had, um, yeah, I think they were a, a bit more friendly when they were at the Next Gen Finals, but they had a bit of a falling out. They were playing on an outer court in Miami. You can mm. uh, you can Google it and you can see, you know, Medvedev was, you know, pumping or, you know, pounding his chest, wanting to throw down with Sitsi and he was, wasn't having it. And then I, I know Sitsi in the past has said that his play is boring and, you know, I think they've gotten a little bit more mature, um, Mm. but they still, there's still a bit, uh, uh, no love lost there, but yes, Medvedev took him out pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, I, I just finished watching the press conferences, uh, Sitsi's press conferences post Nadal win and then of course post semifinal loss to Medvedev and Titi was obviously on a high I mean that's going to be a match we kind of cover a little bit in the, the later parts of our show but um he looked so dejected and kind of pissed off that he lost to Medvedev and you know again the the nature of the questions that were coming at the beginning of the interview were like so who do you think's got it in the final he's and he kind of gave this look like you want me to make a pick after I lost a semifinal match after I beat one of the big three in the quarterfinal like girl have a little bit more sensitivity but he he begrudgingly begrudgingly was like yo if Danili take Danils takes this I wouldn't be surprised so right. yeah, there's there's a bit of a there's a bit of tension there. I'm seeing a bit of a theme with some of your <laughs> comments about the journalists in these press conferences doing you know their best to journalism. Girl, I I mean I don't know. I see. I don't know if you find it annoying in our IG story earlier today. I just find that the questions that these journalists get paid money for, you know they have a living asking the same freaking questions over and over again and i don't know about you but if i'm talking to a player like medvedev or like brady who we're going to talk about in a minute i want to know about that player's journey i don't mm-hmm. want to know whether you know i'm not going to spoil it because i'm going to get to that when we talk about um naomi versus brady but focus on the player that is in front of you don't ask questions about the opponent i just find that so irritating yeah. What do you think it is that makes the top three so dominant? Oh my, <laughs> oh, my. It's it's so. Do you know how many times if, if there was a quarter for every time that question was posed? I think you could have millionaires all across the world mm-hmm. for real. Like, it's so dumb. I mean, you can ask a question like, what do you think it's going to take for you to mm-hmm. beat one of these players in a final when you get to your next final because obviously you know he's a top player now he's i think he's going to move up to number three Mm -hmm. that's a more i think legitimate question in connection to how good they are to to ask about what's it going to take for you to win 
Yeah, and I mean, thinking about you this afternoon, you know, you're obviously really excited to see kind of a changing of the guard. That's kind of been your theme when we talk about ATP players and the big three in the past, you know, few episodes. And, you know, this fascination with the big three, yes, we are in a time where this these three players are unprecedented. We may never see something like this again. But... Girl, come on now. Let's think about some new questions, some more creative questions to ask because you could just see it all over Medvedev's face. Like he was being really nice about it, but he's like, bitch, I heard this question before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I watch, um, you know, we'll move on from Medvedev in a second, but he's just such an interesting guy. He's such a he's got such a unique style of play and he brings an energy um, on the court that is sort of different and and special in my opinion and I want to see you know more of that like when he hit that um, <laughs> that winner against Sitsi down the line and he sort of was like shaking his hand and like roared to the crowd I was like yes <laughs> You you like that you like the theatrical nature of that. Yeah, I like that kind of energy. It's like the anti roundage. <laughs> it's a good it's a good one i have a question for you to wrap up um joko and med yeah medi so many nicknames for this guy med um, the devil i saw that one <laughs> med the devil <laughs> what do you think curios was doing when uh djokovic <laughs> won his ninth australian open <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I suspect he probably was not watching the match. <laughs> I suspect he may have been playing video games. <laughs> Maybe with his buddy Kokonakis, who also made a return. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing and mocking a bit of this. <laughs> Just <laughs> the raising well, of your hands to your heart or from your heart up to the heavens. Right, Djokovic's symbolic gesture after he wins a match. Listen, I think in Kyrgios's defense, winning a Call of Duty tournament nine times is probably just as good as winning the Australian Open nine times. <laughs> like those Call of Duty tournaments, those like first-person shooter games on whatever console you're playing on, they're tough. <laughs> <laughs> so so much tough. So y- yes. A, a fair comparison for sure <laughs> can can we just share steve from chicago our friend <laughs> yeah <laughs> what what was his comment again on the on the board uh, listen you know anytime i want to have a good laugh because gay people just know how to be so shady <laughs> <laughs> i go to the glt players lounge and of course our friend steve from chicago posted has anyone checked on curios <laughs> <laughs> because he's obviously like Djokovic's number one fan. Yeah. yeah. Not. Not. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> well, um, it was it was a disappointing final. Mm, women? Are we talking about the... Oh, no, the, men. The men, yeah. yeah. So moving on to our girl, Naomi, winning mm-hmm. her fourth major. She's now sort of pushing herself away from the pack. Yeah. At I least mean... on the hard courts. So uh, going back to the theme of like journalists not doing their job, this particular journalist that asked about, asked Naomi this question in her post-match interview was like, girl, now you've got four slams. You are in a legendary category because, you know, one slam, Kenan, who else is there? 
Ostapenko, ugh, whatever. You know, <laughs> now that you're a four slam winner, you are now legendary in my books. And uh, she kind of solidified that with this latest win. What? So the the reporter actually called her a legend at 22 years old. Those were so those are my words. Oh, those okay. are my words. Yeah, I know. But the reporter was just pointing out that she is in, a, in an elite group of active players that have won at least four slams. Mm-hmm. Because Kvitova isn't even part of that. You know, you think of Kvitova being you know a, a, a legendary champion, but Naomi's won four. Kvitova's yeah. won two. And who's the other one there? Kerber, Kerber's won three. three. Yeah, Halep's won two. Mugu's won two. Yeah, so she's surpassed all those folks who are in their late 20s, early 30s at, at 22. And I thought was most, most interesting was she said, you know, when I'm... I don't know if she was doing a comparison to Serena, but, uh, you know, she acknowledged that the records that um, people have are records that she's perhaps likely not going to break ever and she said that she just hopes that um when she's sort of in her the twilight of her career that that there are girls looking up to her um as a player which i thought was kind of nice yeah i mean uh, 23 slams she's still got like what 19 left to go (laughs) that's a long way to go but um, did so? Did you end up watching the match that final? What yes, did you think of it? I did. I, I mean, she was, she was taking no prisoners. She, you know, and I hate to make this comparison, but I'm just gonna go ahead. I hate when people say things like that. You know, I hate to make this comparison, but they actually just end you're up just doing gonna it. do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving an f. I'm just gonna do it anyway. But she is playing like Serena did when Serena was dominant. She is she has an unbelievable serve, gets her out of trouble all the time, and she dictates with her forehand. Mm-hmm. She's got a strong backhand, but I mean just what she was Brady and Naomi had the same tactic in that final, which is to, you know, start off with a strong serve, get yourself in a winning position and then dictate and probably win with your forehand, but Naomi was just this entire tournament, she's been crushing it. She's just no one can match her power. Mm-hmm. And she was, she wanted to play backhand to backhand with Brady because backhand her backhand's weaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know she exploited that. So she's a bit of a tactician too. I think she she you know looks into players' weaknesses and they developed a game plan. I think for how they were going to tackle the Brady match. Yeah, keep in mind she beat Jen. Is it Jen or Jennifer? <laughs> Jenny? <laughs> did, you the, did you see that <laughs> yeah, part? Is I that did. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get it right. <laughs> That's so funny. That was so funny. I think I, she's just, she was just nervous. So she forgot what she heard, you know, a second and a half earlier. And called, right. and called her Jennifer <laughs> instead of Jenny when she said she wanted to be called Jenny. But that's okay. Well, I mean, Jenny, she took Jenny out in the semifinals at the U.S., and that was a tough three-setter. So she's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to come into this, and I'm not going to have or make the same mistakes. I want this to be easier for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they uh, the final was, was locked down, and she holds the trophy for the fourth time. Fourth Grand Slam. Yeah, I mean, I thought Jen, I thought... <laughs> Jen, Jenny, Jenny Jennifer. <laughs> I thought that she was going to bring it 
you know, no one really talked about her, but she has now been so consistent, especially in slams, making it to the semis of the U.S. and now the finals of the Australian, you know, um, and she has that kind of attacking tennis that can really win her and pocket her a couple of slams. But, you know, just like Medvedev came up against Joko, when you come up against the caliber of someone like Naomi, you look, you end up looking pedestrian. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jenna, that's what, <laughs> no, I'm scared to say her name. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny. That's what Jenny just, that's what she looked like. She really looked pedestrian. And Chris Everett said it during the match, you know, apparently she came to Chris Everett's camp and she had all the shots, had all the talent, but she just couldn't put three or four balls in the court consecutively and mm-hmm. that's kind of what she did today especially on her back end just spraying it all over the place yeah and not in a good way <laughs> <laughs> not spraying in a good way yeah no <laughs> yeah no so um that was a it was an, another sort of match where we were looking forward to it being a bit better than it ended up being yeah um can we talk sorry i'm just obsessed with the press conferences <laughs> I see that. i'm just so i'm so appalled okay did you watch the brady post-match final press conference no i didn't see her press conference okay so literally this is what one journalist asked her okay this is probably 30 minutes into her final press conference 30 minutes Jesus it was that long or whatever just like later in the press conference it felt like 30 minutes after hearing all these stupid questions so the journalist asks Brady um, when you see Naomi just walking around and you know I don't know where she would see Naomi walking around on the grounds in the locker room can you describe her championship like aura her champion like aura (laughs) Like, what is it that she has that makes her champion? And, like, the subtext is, like, that you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Right. What the F? Are you dumb? Like, who is this journalist? And what publication does this journalist write for? Fire him or her. I forget who, what gender it was. Immediately. Why would you ask that question? That's so stupid. And, you know, again, Jennifer. uh, I mean. Jenny, sorry, Jenny. Thank you. (laughs) Speaking about journalists not doing their their jobs. Um, Jenny kind of took it with grace but you could see she was pissed she was like you know uh i don't really think that she's any different than any of us i think you know on any given day we could win a slam you know she just happens to have four and i mean obviously it's her hard work and dedication but she's like a human being like anyone of us here in this room but she was pissed like what a dumbass don't ask that (laughs) question again it's so dumb but does she poop roses and and tiger lilies <laughs> who naomi that, that's the ne- yeah that would be the next question oh my have, god have you been beside her in the toilet <laughs> that wouldn't su- that wouldn't surprise me yeah that really wouldn't surprise me <laughs> so okay so we've covered the winners mm. what uh what were sort of your top stories from the tournament there was obviously some some good ones what was like the the best two for you Okay, I'm going to start and I'm going to say that it was a complete surprise to me that I fell in love with Serena Williams all over again. You know, those of you that have been listening to our podcast since season one, 
I have been a Serena Williams fan. I keep on citing the 2005 Australian Open where she makes that incredible comeback against Maria Sharapova in the semifinals after having lost to Maria in the 2004 final, which was a shock to everyone. And it's this underdog kind of mentality that made me love Serena to begin with. And then, you know, in the past year or two, Serena doing a few diva-ish things that make me think like, get off your high horse like yes you are legendary but like you're still a tennis player and you know get down to everybody's level in that way but what i saw of serena after all of the talk regarding her outfit and you know i don't know if you want to make a comment about that i mean i i made it publicly known i wasn't a fan of it but like the fact that she referenced flojo her drive and determination in those quarter was it no the fourth round and quarterfinal against Sabalenka and Halep, where she whooped Halep's butt Mm -hmm. and she was moving like she did when she was at the top of her game, made me realize that she still has a thirst and hunger to get to 24, probably even 25, and made me fall in love with her all over again. And, you know, just as the icing on the cake for me, when she cried after having lost to Naomi in that much anticipated match that was the marquee match for me you know old generation versus new generation Serena's looking good Naomi's looking good it's like you know about to go uh, it's about to go down (laughs) and I even posted on the GLT members lounge I'm like who else like in the first five minutes of the match who else is feeling like this match is going to be legendary when it did not end up being legendary (laughs) at all All I want to say is that I love you, Serena. I want you to get to. I want you to get to 24, and you know, keep this drive, keep this, this fight. You know, I just thought you were amazing, and I love you again. <laughs> Speaking of journalists being dumb, mm. they asked her the question about putting her, you know, her hand to her heart and doing the extended farewell as she was leaving the court against Naomi. Mm -hmm. and that got her a little bit emotional and she rolled her eyes as she was being asked um i think the final question and then she she walked out so what do you think of all of that i mean was it sort of coming home to her or do you read in any of that about you know maybe there is this changing of the guard for her and that some of these players are are uh, maybe a step above where she is or where she she used to be and that she can't beat someone like Naomi um, or or get to another final or win another final yeah I think the you know the gesture that you're referencing some journal journalists interpreted that as like a farewell we're not I'm not coming back to Australia anymore um, I liken it to not the gesture but kind of where she is in her career Steffi Graf in 99 I mean, there again, the changing of the guard. Martina Hingis was all the rage, had won all the slams previously, kind of like Naomi has in the past year and a half, two years. And I think this, yes, I think that this slam showed that GOAT, the greatest of all time, is in the last stages of her career. And the window is that, that gap that she has to win a slam is closing month by month. And... It's just kind of a reckoning about her tennis mortality. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, she's not going to do it this year. When is she going to do it? Because Naomi against Serena, you watched that match, right? I did, yes. Okay, what did you think about that match? I mean, 
it was relentless you know she 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 was out serenaed basically exact exa- perfect words she was yeah. out serenaed and you know all of her legions of fans around the world and talking about serena are just kind of coming to terms with you know maybe she's not going to win another slam mm-hmm. and maybe that's that was her reaction but i mean you can read into it whatever you want um mm-hmm. and like she said she's she's not going to tell anybody when she's leaving tennis i think <laughs> that was one of the first things i said when that question was being asked i'm like she's not going to tell anybody she's going to do what a lot of these players have done and just sort of end it mm-hmm. i mean venus said the exact same thing because questions about her retirement came up against her second round loss to irani where she injured her ankle and then went on like a shopping spree at Prada. They're like, girl, when are you going to hang up the racket? She's like, if if I had making the decision to hang up my racket, no one's going to know except for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, they've been asking it for years. You start asking it of these players, I think, when they get into their early 30s. That's what, you know, Djokovic, Nadal are being asked it all the time. Roger's almost 40. He's being yeah. asked it all the time. So what about, what about you? What was your... Oz open highlight. Uh, I mean, I liked, I liked Shay's run. Uh, I liked her her match with <clears throat> Bianca, making Bianca look like a little punk. I thought, that, <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I mean, everyone was wondering what was going to happen with Bianca, and I don't think Bianca played terribly, but uh, Shay was the wrong kind of player for Bianca to play, mm. having decided to take another break from a pre-slam event. A hundred percent. I couldn't have said it any better myself. What did you think about... I mean, you just said that Bianca didn't play terribly, but what did you notice about her game that was not... That's that that's not the same as when she won the U.S. Open a couple years ago. I don't. I just think she's she's maybe um, a, she's a step slower than she used to be, and that's just because she hasn't been uh, on the court uh, mm-hmm. as much. And she, I think, had a bit more precision in the past with her her more power ground strokes, and and did well to sort of play the moon ball to get herself reset and she did that a couple times but you know Shay is so unpredictable and mm. you know Naomi admitted that she'd like to play her if she was playing a tennis video game but not <laughs> <laughs> not on the court so um, she just I, I literally she she has no power but somehow you know she she is able to hit winners it, it was kind of like kind of like you <laughs> <laughs> I'm, i have power please <laughs> <laughs> you do you do but uh yeah i think it was a nice uh story for the event to see someone who is 35 someone who i guess admits that she doesn't you know practice all that much or doesn't necessarily practice in the way that other these other top players do or t- or sort of take it so seriously Mm-hmm. At least that's some of what I was hearing as she was, you know, getting deeper into the draw. And she took out Vondrasova very, fairly easily as well in the fourth mm-hmm. round. She did. I mean, to Vondrasova's defense, she was injured. But I oh, mean, was she? I didn't. Know she, slightly injured. I mean, but when you're playing someone like Shay, and Shay is just the ultimate craftswoman, 
she's just she's gonna know what your weakness is and just run you side to side which is exactly what she did to Vondrasova and Vondrasova was you know visibly frustrated but Shay you're right Shay is just a fresh a fresh breath air a breath of fresh air <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jolie is her number one fan our friend mm-hmm. Jolie here in Toronto <laughs> and I was really looking forward to the quarterfinal I think this was the start of the matches you look forward to underwhelming because mm-hmm. <laughs> she had a really great match against um, Naomi in the AO of 2019. I think mm-hmm. she took the first set and was up like 3-1 and then Naomi locked it down. Yeah, and she I think she beat her in Miami a couple years ago, so they have a good history. But, I mean, Naomi was dialed in. Back, going back to your point about Naomi being a, um, you know, a strategist, she probably looked at those matches and like, I'm not going to let this bitch slice and dice and lob and drop and all of this. I'm just going to take my forehand, I'm going to dictate, and I'm going to pummel her into the ground, <laughs> which she, is what she did. She did, yeah. She did. So that, I mean, but she was a nice story and you know she i don't think she's obviously she's not someone who will make it much further than a quarterfinal but it was a nice story hold on wait wait, wait. rewind say that again you don't think that what i don't think that shay will make it much past the quarterfinal in a slam you are gonna get all the hate on the glta message board (laughs) oh (laughs) i mean sometimes the truth hurts (laughs) i mean you're right you're right i mean first of all I listen. I am not making a comment about. Let me just say it as it is, because <laughs> if I tiptoe around this subject, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get people adding me anyway. But if you're gonna be in the hot baking Australian sun for 42 under 42 degrees Celsius conditions, I mean, she looks. Maybe that's her natural build, but she's very slight of frame. Mm-hmm. And she is just redirecting all that power. But, I mean, you're right. Over a two-week period, does she have what it takes to physically to kind of get through into a quarter semi and final? Keep in mind, she's also the number one doubles player in the world. Right. You know, she's play, she's been playing with Stritzova. And so that is just so taxing on the body. She would need a very, very good draw. I mean, she played some good matches um, mm-hmm. and took advantage of some opportunities, but she would need a very, very good draw to, to make it past where she did this tournament. And probably a salami sandwich. Yes, some food would help, for <laughs> sure. Speaking of, I don't know if this is not a good segue. Um, what about uh, Karatsev? Oh, that's your pooch. Oh, that's my pooch. That's okay. We can wait till he's... I, I was like, I hope he doesn't bark during the show. <laughs> That's okay. People should hear his his <laughs> little bark. Um, Karatsev. Yeah, the the his first ever main draw in a slam. Okay, so let's just roll it back for a second. Do we know how old this guy is? Twenty seven. Okay, so he's kind of like a journeyman. You know, he's not like a spring chicken here. He's not like a, and like a twenty one, twenty two year old guy. Yeah, I mean, he's a journeyman who has, hasn't journeyed very far because he's only <laughs> played three tour-level matches until he got to this first main draw of the AO and played three qualifying matches and won those and then won five matches in the main draw. But, okay, are we saying then that for his... Oh, I get it. So his Australian Open debut, he's the first man to have made it to the semifinals on his main draw debut. 
this is his Grand Slam debut. He's never. Duh. What? Excuse me? <laughs> yeah. That's wow. why it's so remarkable. Okay, so, you know, coming off the heels of our interview with Christian Harrison, I, again, we I put Christian and this guy Karatsev in the same boat because watching Karatsev play and take out guys like Felix, he took out Schwartzman, who else did he take out? Dimitrov, who was looking really good. Mm-hmm. How you ask yourself, I'm like, is it just a string of really good tennis playing in a row or does this guy have the goods to like be a top 50 player because that is just so wild to me like is it just like you know lightning in a bottle or is he truly talented well i mean you'll have to ask him because he's now a top 50 player oh okay okay now uh, the, the live rankings have him at 42 and what was he at before he was at 114 Okay, so I see, see in my mind, I'm like, he's like ranked 5,000 in the world or something <laughs> crazy-ish like that. Yeah, so he moved up, I think, from playing smaller events and, and tournaments. He probably benefited um, the last couple of weeks getting to hang out with Medvedev and Rublev. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, yeah, and uh, to your point, he's got a really nice game, not necessarily a huge serve, but his ground strokes are pretty powerful and you know to come from two sets to love down against felix after felix you know played a pretty comprehensive match it was a really great match the straight sets mm-hmm. win against chapeau mm-hmm. yeah he's uh, one to he's one to watch for sure and i to your point um it and the way i i experience um tennis is i like guys like this i like stories like this it keeps me engaged and wanting to to watch so whenever he's in another tournament that ends up on our tennis tv subscription um, <laughs> i'll be sorry my tennis tv <laughs> subscription that you have access to uh, i will be watching um oh i forgot well oh one stat that i thought was really interesting they i forget which round it was it must have been so he beat dimitrov in what the quarters mm-hmm. So of the eight, they did a you know a side by side profile of the average swing, average speed of each of their shots, forehand, backhand, serve. Karatsev ended up having, on average, the fastest and the hardest hit forehand, which I thought that was so interesting. Oh, he wow. just he must have been in a groove. Yeah, you know sometimes sometimes things go your way and uh, yeah we'll have to see what he what, what goods he's got in the future. Tell mm-hmm. us, tell us a little bit about his funny moment um, at, during one of his again post match interviews. Yeah, I mean, so after after the second set against Joko in the semis, he left the court. Um, and you know, speaking of journalisming, um, <laughs> the reporter in the post match interview asked why he left the court. Um, and did he give give himself a little pep talk because it seemed like when he came back he had a bit more energy um, <laughs> but what we learned was that he just went for toilet <laughs> I went for toilet I went for I, toilet I just went for toilet is I think the words that he used he probably felt lighter mm-hmm. after. I mean I know I get more energy after I go to toilet and probably Riddell too <laughs> <laughs> Right, Shady. <laughs> Let's ask for that. <laughs> um, yeah, so it'll be exciting to sort of see what 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 happens with him. 
Okay, I'm going to just be shady for a second and uh, put all of my shade powers onto Sarah Arani. Now, <laughs> Do if it. you if you could if you couldn't find another reason to dislike Sarah Arani, watch her sec no, second round match against Shay. Because listen, Arani's difficulties having been in the top 10 and then falling out, like literally having to qualify for low level tiered tournaments, possibly because of the fact that she's got a shoulder injury, can't toss a ball straight to save her life, kind of like me. <laughs> um, she has now developed this annoying habit in between points uh, while she's waiting on serve of this positive self talk that sounds like she's clucking <laughs> like a chicken. <laughs> And I, I watched the entire Shea-Irani match in which, you know, Shea came out with that one three sets, uh, having been down 3-5 in the third. And me being the basket case that I am, would not be able to keep my shit together. Listening to like the buck, 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 buck like just. <laughs> she was literally doing that? She was talking in, I'm, I'm assuming she's obviously talking in Italian, but it sounded like clucking on the airwaves and i'm like why is she doing that and it's audible so that <laughs> means that if i could hear it at home she could hear it and she just kind of kept her shit together but i posted on the glt message board i'm like why is no one calling her out on this annoying habit do you know how <laughs> that is beyond annoying so uh, sorry sarah rani like i wanted it i wanted a reason to like you again <laughs> i wanted to like you know after your whole like alize cornet ali fiasco and vamos whatever but you are just annoying what 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 tournament was she at recently where she was mocking the her opponent who was like injured or had an injury oh right right i don't remember yeah late last late last season i think yeah or no maybe it was in um the first tournament of the year in dubai one of the fir maybe. first maybe oh yeah but yeah she she's a bit of a hot mess oh my god ew uh, no <laughs> G goodbye girl see you later i'm over you <laughs> <laughs> any other stories or do you want to i mean it was nice to sort of see Bianca back, obviously. It was nice to see. How dare you, Rebecca? How dare you? Well, after she, <laughs> because I said you? because I said she got punked. <laughs> she... No, no, you're missing one of the main storylines, Honey Bun. Oh, I was gonna say Rebecca Marino making the second round. That was nice, but tell okay. me, tell me the main storyline. Listen, I, I, I don't know whether you've accepted it yet, but. Stephanos is going to be part of my life. And, <laughs> you know, glossing over the fact that he beat Nadal, I mean, I don't know whether it was intentional on your part because you're just, <laughs> you're jealous that I'm with him or like what is, what's, what's well, up with that? that? That was the next portion of our show to talk about our top three matches. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, get, let's get into it. Because it seemed like you just didn't want to talk about my boyfriend, but that's <laughs> fine. Um Anyway, so CC. Okay, fine. We'll get into the top three matches. For me, obviously, my boyfriend CC Pass um, did not look cute in that uh, match against Nadal. Was down two sets, got into a tie break, and then all of a sudden, just like that, you know, he turned the beat around, a la mm -hmm. Gloria Stefan, and uh, he was just in again in his post match interview, which I've been addicted to watching. Um, <laughs> 
the journalists were asking him, so what was it that turned around for turned it around for you? What were you thinking about? Were you thinking about, you know, a strategy and doing something in particular? He's like, you know what? I was just playing tennis. I was <laughs> I was in Zen mode. And he was he was kind of saying what a lot of us have experienced before, that when you're just in the flow and in the groove, you're not really thinking. You're just hitting. And that's what he was experiencing in those three sets that clinched it for him. And, you know, I just, I was really proud of him. I I didn't know whether it was a good idea for us to have posted that picture of him in his underwear in our (laughs) hotel room. I mean, I I just wanted people to appreciate him on a different level. Yeah. Um, And, you know, people, and I just... Listen, I'm we're really secure in our relationship, so that's why I felt like I could post that. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, he is just such a fun guy and he made it to the semis. And I mean, I just think that he's he's just a a a, a stone's throw away from winning his first slam. Is all. I think our audience wants to know though. Does does he give you a semi? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, he's made it all the way to the slams with me. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe he just wanted to. Grand he slam. Wanted to do, <laughs> he wanted Golden to do. Golden slam. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to do. Golden shower. Good by you. And uh, he knew that you were drawing a nice bath for, for him. So Yeah, a nice bath and an eggplant and peach dish. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, uh, that was a good one. For me, I mm-hmm. it was one of those days where I woke up. At 6 a.m., turned on the tennis. You know, I was two matches behind because that's sort of how I watch. And then I got to that match, saw the first two sets, and then I had to work because it was like 9 o'clock. And uh, accidentally saw that he came back and didn't expect that. And, you know, it was one of those things where I I think I had checked out because I was like, okay, he's going to win in straight sets, Nadal. Mm. And it did not happen. And then I didn't watch the rest of the match. You're, you know, you're just, uh, I don't think that you just love Cece. That's okay. You can admit it. I want him to have a better backhand. Until he gets um, a better backhand, he's he ain't going to win slam. He's got to work on that backhand. He's, yeah, gotcha. I'll, yeah. I'll let him, I'll let him know tomorrow. So what's, what's your <laughs> other, I'll let him know tomorrow. <laughs> no, 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 it's your turn. You have to tell us what oh, you were, your I mean, matches. The matches for me were that whole quarter first day of the women's quarterfinals the mm. the match of the tournament for me was naomi versus mugu yes and i think a lot of people echo that yeah it's unfortunate that um they had to meet so early in mm-hmm. the tournament um because as we mentioned the, the later matches quarterfinals onward um, <laughs> i think in both draws weren't <clears throat> really that great um but yeah that whole lineup was from top to bottom was excellent Started with Mugu, she blew two match points. That mm. sort of, and yeah, I think Osaka um, didn't make any errors in like the last few games of that match. She was mm. on lockdown, and that's when you knew it was kind of mm. like you could see the match turning. You could yes. see it. Yeah, I just you know I remember texting you at the beginning of that match. I'm like, this is gonna, this feels like a final to me. And, you know, it's, it was two players that have been the most in form. And, um, yeah, for whatever reason, I just didn't think that Mugu had it in her to close it out. Yeah. 
I didn't. I mean, even at the beginning when she was winning and kind of, you know, just barely getting ahead. And even though she was ahead in that third set, I just didn't. I think that she was playing not to lose. Mm-hmm. You know, even though she was being aggressive, you could see that she was playing with a bit of fear. And I think that's been Naomi's kind of MO the entire tournament is that Naomi's been playing pretty fearless. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that was obviously, a, I think, a turning point match even for Naomi because to save two match points and then go on to win the tournament, if if those points went Mugu's way, it would be a different winner. Yeah. So that was obviously um, the top match for me. And then the next match was number two, the Serena and Sabalenka, the mm. the, the grunt off, the power, the, gr- the power battle. Did you see that um, that that point that was turned into like a clip and like diffused all over the interweb? No. Which of, point uh, was it? The one that where Serena was moving all over uh, yeah, and all- hit that lob? Yeah, that's the point. And, you know, even my my non-tennis playing friends shared it, you know, all over IG. And again, that was the moment where I kind of fell in love with Serena again. But Sabalenka, again, was one to really look, watch. And I don't know, just, you know, Serena outplayed her a little bit more and Mm -hmm. ended up going through. Admittedly, that is the first full Sabalenka match that I've ever watched. (laughs) (laughs) Because of the grunt. No, I think I just, it, she was never really a player on my radar or somebody that I was interested in watching. But, you know, she's now consistently winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's someone that we should pay attention to and try to overcome the annoyance with the grunt. <laughs> I know. I mean, I watch her IG stories and she posts a lot of like cute little stories with her sister. You know, she seems like a really friendly player. It's just that long-lasting grunt I can't get over. Yeah. You know? Just a small little shout-out to Pagula. You know, American player made her breakthrough, beat our girl Vika Azarenka in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a great tournament, and mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a lot more fourth-round situations. Yeah. And, quarterfinal. And, and the the Mukova. Muvo, Mukova. Mukova. She made, this, <laughs> she made the semi. Mm-hmm. Um, what she injury beat Barty. did Batty? She closed down the Batty Patty. She closed it down. She shut it down with some shadiness, apparently. Uh huh. What injury did she have at the end of that first set? Um, no one really knows. I don't think. Was it a little <laughs> bit of she was just a bit lucid? Yeah, she she was a bit dizzy. <laughs> dizzy. Yeah, that's what she said. I feel her, her head was spinning. I feel her. I feel her. I played an eight game pro set there in Melbourne and it was 42 degrees. And I was, I think maybe because, because I knew I was, I was up six, five and I wanted to win and it didn't happen for me. I, I don't know. I felt like I could fry an egg on my head. Oh God. So your head was spinning too. Yeah. Did you call an injury timeout? Uh, I, those gay tournaments, they don't allow injury timeouts. Oh, but you're saying that you would have if they allowed it. I maybe would have taken a break to like ice my head and ice my neck. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> so you're saying that her injury timeout was within was within her her rights. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's within the rules now, but people are saying they need to to abolish it. And Barty, I think was was very sports person like, sports yeah. woman like. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, listen, Bar- she was in her within her right to take it. I mean, is there... I never feel when I'm playing a, ter- uh, a match and someone calls for a timeout, like there's gamesmanship. It's only gamesmanship if you put that in your head. Mm-hmm. You know, and Barty being kind of the consummate professional player, she was not going to use that injury timeout as an excuse for her loss. Right. But Tyrone and I were kind of in the same boat. We're like, she was cruising in that cruising yeah. in that match. More cruising that I have seen than at the Black Eagle, which is now <laughs> right across <laughs> the street from where I live. <laughs> she looked really good that entire tournament, and it just, it I don't know how she lost that. That was another one of the matches that was ruined by me looking at our Instagram. Accidentally. Sorry. Well, I did that. I did not, that. Not our Instagram, like going to Instagram and seeing, you know, because the all of the accounts post the results right away. So mm-hmm. I accidentally saw that she was lost the match, and I was like, "How the hell did this happen?" Same with the Nadal City Pass thing. Yeah. So that's a wrap, girl. That's yeah. the Australian Open 2021. Any yeah. other matches that you wanted to share? I mean, it was nice to see. Dimitrov make the quarter um, and then he he's flamed out because he had an injury I think injuries were a big story as well Mateo mm. had to had to um, withdraw mm. uh, mm-hmm. team, team looked like a hot mess against Dimitrov <laughs> and then mm-hmm. you know Dimitrov flamed out also and Rublev looked a bit tired so I think people were a little bit tired <laughs> just like us watching it now. I mean, like, pe- so glad it's over. <laughs> people were t- yeah, people were tired. People were in a lockdown. People didn't have a lot of practice. People had to play in the Australian summer. It, it's a lot. It's mm-hmm. a lot. So no wonder that there are so many injuries. But kudos to Brady because Brady was the only player to who was in the hard mm. lockdown to make it past the quarterfinal or make it to the second week, and she made the final. So I loved what she said because she's like. Um, you know, I'm people asked about sort of the impact of the hard quarantine. She was like, I'm a prof- professional tennis player. I think <laughs> I can remember how to hit a tennis ball. <laughs> so, you know, for all the other players who may have complained about that, check mm-hmm. out that quote from Brady. Mm-hmm. She's, she's giving you two straight. Yeah. She's keeping it shady, keeping it Brady. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, until next week. Yeah, I mean, like, sorry, can I just say really quickly? Yeah. So the next few tournaments that are coming up on the WTA, Adelaide has already started. Body is playing that, so maybe she can have a little Australian tournament win. And after that, there's a Lyon tournament in in France, and then Doha. They're in the Middle East. I guess I should know what's going on with the men, but I don't. Rotterdam. Rotterdam is happening. Okay. Um, and I think that's all I know. Yeah, I think there's a tournament in Dubai, and then obviously Miami is coming up for both mm-hmm. at the end of March. So we'll look forward to all of those, and hopefully we'll look forward to us playing some MF or tennis soon. Yeah, I don't think till after March 8th it looks like yeah. for us, right? So. We're still on lockdown until, yeah, at least the 8th in the city of Toronto. Wah, wah. Well, <laughs> that's it. That's all she wrote, y'all. That's all she wrote, mofos. See you next week. AO 2021 in the books. Bye. Bye. We're here for your tennis-tainment or your tentertainment. 
or whatever it is. But if you like what we're serving up, please give us a five-star review and like, share, and subscribe, and like such as. Wait, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.